and he asks his men three things. And the first thing he'll ask them is, are you a man? And, you know, the typical response is, last time I checked, I think so. Mm, Yeah. Okay, so not a lot of conviction there. People don't usually ask you that. The second is, when did you become a man? And they'll hem and holler. When When I went into the Marines, when I had sex the first time, when I got married, when I bought my first car, all of which are terrible answers. And then he'll ask him this, and he's never had a satisfactory answer. And it is, what does it mean to be a man? Mm. How can we be men if we don't know what it means to be a man? Hey, everybody. This is Troy Mangum. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. Did you know your life is a message that God is wanting to communicate to the world? Every episode, I get to interview friends of mine, people that I think are awesome, whose life is communicating a message that needs to get out to the world. Thank you for joining. I have the pleasure of having Alan Hahn, who is the founder of Iron Academy, which is an all-boys Christian, I'm going to say adventure school. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll, we'll start there. So, one, we never say boys at Iron Academy. Okay. Uh, so we're going to be a middle school and high school. We're six through nine right now, adding a grade. So our current ninth grade class will be the first graduating class of 2020. Okay. Even though we start with sixth grade, we never say boys. We always say young men. And that is so that they start thinking of themselves as young men. That's perfect. Uh, regarding an adventure school, uh, I, the adventure would be in biblical manhood. For sure. Uh, yeah. We do do some outdoor things, uh, but it's it's very much a school. Very much uh, half of what we do is the academic portion. The other half is the biblical manhood. And if I had started off correctly, I'd say the other third would be the leadership development. So let's do thirds. Okay. So, all right. So clearly my introduction is a little off, but that's all right. We'll, we'll go from there. So No, your introduction just got out a lot of information. Good. <laughs> So uh, one of the things that, um, and just kind of getting ready for this, uh, uh, you've got an interesting background. Uh, you worked in the Peace Corps. Um, I was accepted into the Peace Corps. Okay, so you were in the Peace Corps. And I rejected were... the Peace Corps because of, I met the woman I was going to marry. <laughs> okay, this is going to be good. <laughs> so you, were, you, you spent a, a stint in corporate life. Yes. Okay. Um, you are currently um, doing a, your doctorate. Yes. And, uh, and where, are you, where are you at school? I'm doing that at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Okay. And, and what's your doctorate? What are you working The doctorate will be in education, and my, all I have is my dissertation left, and I'm focusing on how other biblical schools across the country, all male schools, are developing biblical manhood in their young men. Okay. That, is a, that sounds like a fascinating paper. So I'm going to tell you right mm-hmm. now, you go down on the record— in my book, as being the coolest guy that has the coolest signature in your emails that I've ever seen. Hmm. Your, your email signature is, because biblical manhood is never an accident. That is the coolest signature I've ever seen. I was, when I saw that, I was like, that is cool. Well, it's very intimidating <laughs> for me to put there, but that's our, if you've ever heard of Simon Sinek, he asked, that we, yes, when you yes. have an organization, you begin with the why, why you exist. And 
for Iron Academy, it's because biblical manhood is never yeah. an accident. So you and I met years ago. Uh, we sat down for coffee, had a chat, and this was before any of this existed in um, tangible means, right? It was really, when we were talking, it was it was just getting started. And um, the thing, the reason I wanted you on here is because you impressed me so much with how consumed you were with uh, the mission. You felt like you were, you had been given something, you were, you were going to steward it, and you were on a mission. And now, years later, I'm like, this thing exists. And so I want to talk about <clears throat> that journey. Uh, and then we can get into, you know, Iron Academy and the details okay. there. So, so let's just start with that. What was the genesis of this idea? Where did it start? So almost 14 years ago, God first planted the idea. I had recently become a Christian. I had left being a teacher at, for the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and I was teaching in a private Christian academy in Raleigh. And it became very obvious that the school I was in and every other school I had ever seen, secondary school, high school, we were graduating boys. Mm. And there was no hope to graduate men. And then I came to the realization that most colleges are graduating boys. Yeah. And most women are marrying boys, not because they want to, but because they had to. And as I started growing as a Christian and God started working on me on these and convicting me of these things, and I started talking these out with Rich Anderson, who was working with me at the time. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, he was, he was probably the person most exemplary of somebody trying to, to live out biblical manhood as he understood mm-hmm. it. And he still does that to this day. We started thinking about it and talking about it. And we said, well, there, there has to be a better way. We need to do something different. <clears throat> so it, it really started 14 years ago, but it was one of those things that, you know, we'll do that in the future. You just don't go start a school. And I even started working on my doctorate to, with the, the, the goal being to open up an all-male school someday. And, but still, still something too big to be done. But then we were in small group in, at my local church we were meeting and we were going through Numbers chapter 14. And that's when they send out the, the 12 spies, each spy representing among the best men of his tribe, going right. out into the promised land for 40 days, coming back, and they tell him, yes, it, it, this is everything God promised to us. Hmm. It's the land flowing with milk and honey, figs, pomegranates everywhere. It took two men to carry a bunch of grapes back. So the abundance was there. And all 12 of them were agreed that, yes, this is, this is amazing and exactly what God promised. But 10 of those men, and the names of whom we can't remember those 10, they said, but the, the sons of Anak are there. The giants are there. Yeah. We were as grasshoppers in their eyes. We can't do it. Yeah. Every time I had read that passage, it was about those stupid Israelites. But in small group, Kevin says, yeah, that's the grasshopper complex. And as soon as he says that's the grasshopper complex, I knew... The story was about me, that if God gives us a vision, he, he will equip us to do it if we're being obedient. The Israelites had every reason to believe they could take everybody in, in the promised land. Yeah. But only two of those leaders, those mighty men believed in that was Joshua and Caleb. Yeah. And they were ready to fulfill the promise. They, they knew who God was and what he was capable of. And frankly, I guess they believed him. Uh, whereas the other... This is what we tend to do and what I still struggle with is we we forget the God that has been the creator, the miracle worker in our lives every step of the way, but we continually forget him. 
But it was that moment when I learned that that was the grasshopper complex. Then I knew the story was about me. Iron Academy was full steam ahead at that point. Now, this is 14 years ago. Well, the grasshopper complex is more like five and a half years ago. Okay. And we launched a little over four years ago. So you were, so effectively you had an idea, right? And and that you felt was a little too daunting maybe for you or, or, or not the right time or whatever. And it wasn't until you kind of got that story that kind of was like, this is me. Yes. And until then it was more like Jonah. So God tells him to go to Nineveh. Right. He doesn't really want to go to Nineveh, so he goes to Tarshish. I was on my way to Tarshish, and fortunately, I didn't get swallowed by a whale. So, so that's awesome. So, when you're talking about Joshua and Caleb, um, immediately I was thinking about something that I did some study on, which was um, Caleb. My understanding, based on the study I've done, Caleb was not an Israelite. So you've got Joshua, clearly an Israelite, with many, many generations of people that have followed God and, and sought to follow God, where Caleb was a first, what I would consider a first-generation believer, a first-generation Jew, or in our context, first-generation Christian. Both of them, one having a long lineage, one not having a lineage at all in, in God, were both dialed into, we can do this, which, which is so encouraging because it's like, it's not about where you come from. It's about what you're willing to believe God for and step into. Yes. Amen. And you need to write that book. <laughs> that's, that will sell. That, that's a, and I'm yeah. glad you pointed that out. I can't wait to get back into Exodus and yeah, yeah. Exodus. And I want to, I want to, that's, that's really fascinating. Yeah. Well that, that's, um, so, so I've heard something about this, the grasshopper <laughs> complex, right? And, and one of the cool things about that scripture is about, it says, we were like grasshoppers in, in their eyes as if they knew, right? They, they were projecting something out of them. And some own. translations say, and they were grasshoppers in their eyes. Is it was if they were grasshoppers in their eyes, and so they were. Yeah, meaning they, how, how, uh, how you think right. will likely become how, who you are. So, so you're, you're getting a, a big vision or a desire or dream, and then... It not coming to fruition tomorrow, right? You know, oh, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, right for it. And then years past, you kind of get this revelation or insight, right, with, with this Bible study. Then what? What happens? Well, I did fight it for a long time because one, and I think this, this is probably something many of us struggle with. Now, there are people out there who will say, God told me to do it. I'm going to do it. Right. Whether God told them to or not. <laughs> right. We we hear God, people telling God to do things all the time. They'll say, yeah, God told me to do this. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I was really nervous about that. Yeah. I was suspicious that it was my own, own ego talking. Right. And I, and that's one of the reasons I was I was going in the opposite direction. Now, I, would you say you're ambi- were ambitious? I'm just curious. I guess. Like, sometimes I, I know that I've been guilty of, well, this is just my own selfish desires right this isn't god this is just me there's no doubt i'm ambitious yes <laughs> but <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it in my opinion it's all about the it's all about um it's not about ambition it's about what's fueling it right is it is it desire from the lord or is it you know some kind of brokenness that you, you know you're trying to make up for or whatever but another topic <laughs> yes, yes but but i had all kinds of verification from from disparate people, disconnected people, yeah, who would come up and essentially say the words, "You need to start a boys' school." 
you need to start a boys' school. You know, people I barely <laughs> knew in from from within the school, from without, uh, from different states, and it was it was really rather remarkable. So I had the confirmation over and over again. Mm, okay. Even though I wasn't mature enough to be praying for that confirmation. Yeah, but it was coming. It was. So so once you kind of came to that revelation or realization, okay, th- this I, I do have this kind of mindset, if you will. What was what's kind of the, what happened next? I mean, was those kind of confirmation happened next, and then like what? I guess I'm trying to get to where was your first? Where you kind of said, uh, use the analogy, God says go to Noah, go build a boat. The day he picked up the axe, like can you go back to? Okay, this is when I, I yes. made the movement. So <laughs> it was it was literally as soon as Kevin said the grasshopper complex, within the next few weeks. I had my board president. We had started writing the the uh, bylaws to to apply for a four hundred one c three. All right. And it, it literally it immediately started right after that. Yeah. So and was there any sort of uh, view that oh no this has been wasted time I should have started earlier or were you just like I mean how oh yes okay. yes uh, my son is graduating from another school this year mm. we don't even have a twelfth grade because. Hmm. I stalled for so many years. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. no, no. There are consequences to my disobedience. Yeah, yeah. But God is God. Always comes back around. Or at least he does. He'll come back around. I got to practice all of these things we do with <laughs> biblical manhood on my own son. <laughs> Everything, and I'm 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 very pleased with how he is turning out. Yeah. So so tell me a little bit about was there a. Uh, kind of a milieu of material that, that started spurring this. Like when you became a Christian, you just said, this is, was it just a idea that popped in your head? Were you reading books? Were you listening to say, was there anything going on that you were pulling material from uh, or, or ideas from? Much of that would come later, but the, probably the, the initial impetus was introspection, taking a look at myself. Mm-hmm. So I became a Christian at 29 years old. My wife married a boy, mm. and she needed a man as a husband. Yeah. And I feel so bad for so many wives who have to wait for their, their husbands to become men. Yeah. And, and mine absolutely did. So as a Christian, having been married for several years, now having young kids, being a teacher in a Christian school, mm-hmm. really thinking about the Word and how we're building disciples of Christ, yeah. there, was, there was a lot of conviction there. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't see it working, the model working in, in the Christian school environment, yeah. in the pub, in the government school environment. It, it just wasn't working. So yeah. we needed something different. What about your? So so with your realization in your own life, what was your journey like? What did God kind of? I would assume that God was helping you along too, like either through Bible or through other things. I mean, as far as into biblical mask, I, I can totally relate to that, right? Biblical masculinity, like what God truly calls of us. Um, I mean, do you feel like you've had sort of a journey in that personally? Yes. And it's been people in and out of my life uh, who influenced me, who gave me models to look yeah. at. And frankly, once I became a Christian, I started looking back and said, oh, my grandfather, Mm. You know, he was a model for manhood. All of us grow up with some model for manhood in our lives. Yeah, it could be coming from gangs. It could be coming from from your dad. If, mm-hmm. you, if you're with your dad, it's going to come from your dad. Yeah. Whatever type of manhood it is. Well, I grew up in 
I would say a, a John Wayne manhood household. Okay. Which as far as models for manhood is not the worst, but it's not biblical manhood either. Yeah. So if we don't grow up in biblical manhood, and, and from my experience, roughly 98% of us don't, mm. then we have to find it. And I'll tell you what, that's one of the struggle for the Iron Academy families. The men know it, the modern world we live in is so unlike the one 150 years ago where my son would be working from the age of 11 till the time he's going off to start his own family. He's going to be with me every day. Mm-hmm. He's going to get his model for manhood from me, right or wrong. He's going to get it. He's not going right. to have questions. But today, every man who has a child wants to pass along manhood. Every disciple of Christ who has children, he wants to pass along biblical manhood. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we don't know what it is yeah. because we haven't had it modeled. We don't have a cultural, we don't pass it down from generation to generation. Yeah. So we have to figure it out. Some of our churches help us with that, sometimes not. Uh, but what we do at Iron Academy is we learn from one another. So the men on staff, boy, mm-hmm. we've studied it. We don't have a monopoly on this, yeah. but we have really studied it. And there's been some good literature to come out beginning in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, so an emergence of, of looking for what it means to be a man. Right. Secularly and from a biblical perspective. So there is a lot of material out there. So once I decided that, yes, we were going to have, and I, frankly, I called it an all-boys school too. Yeah. So we're looking at, all right, how do we build godly young men? Yeah. And there's, there's some good literature out there. And yeah. the terms that we, we came to, to abhor were boys and adolescents. We wanted to get directly to, to biblical manhood. If you look at the, the biblical prescription for this, we have several markers in the life of the Israelites. So at 12, we know Jesus was in the temple. Mm. He's behaving as a man. We also know that at the age of 20, Israelites were counted worthy of, of going to war paying taxes. Mm-hmm. We also know that, that Jesus didn't begin his earthly ministry until he's 30 years old. Right. Uh, and developmentally, those seem pretty consistent with what we actually see in yeah. males. What about rites of passage? Oh, rites yeah. of passage are so important. Uh, so we don't go and slap a bear, which is what some of the, the Northeastern Indians used to do in the colonial era. Uh, we don't spear a lion like the Maasai tribe does. But rites of passage are ways that communities communicate what it means to be a man or with their women. They do that as well. Women typically don't need it as much because the way their bodies are made, they they get a monthly reminder of of at least part of why they're made. Uh, Men, I think our young people suffer from let me tell you a story about Archibald. He's a local biblical counselor. And he asks his men three things. And the first thing he'll ask him is, are you a man? And, you know, the typical response is, last time I checked, I think so. Mm, Yeah. Okay, so not a lot of conviction there. People don't usually ask you that. The second is, when did you become a man? And they'll hem and haul. Or when when I went into the Marines, when I had sex the first time, when I got married, when I bought my first car, all of which are terrible answers. And then he'll ask him this, and he's never had a satisfactory answer. And it is, what does it mean to be a man? Mm. How can we be men if we don't know what it means to be a man? That's good. So one of the one of the uh, things I did with my son early on was um, raising a modern day knight. Yes. So there's a there's a definition of manhood in that book that is very succinct, and it's in it, it was one of the things that I tried to say. Okay. Uh, if I can remember it, it's uh, the uh, 
uh, rejects passivity, mm-hmm. accepts responsibility, um, and the in uh, sacrifices believing for a greater good. I think those were sort of three three of the pillars in that. And it was like a very it's like okay, rejects passivity. That makes total sense, right? Being being active, engaging. That is definitely the role of a man to initiate, right? right? Be it uh, with a woman, be it in life, um, which you know a boy receives. You know, mom, take care of me. Wife, take care of me. Life, take care of me. You know, just, you know, create an environment for me to safely ease in where, you know, the Lord's like, no, I've created you to initiate. Right. To step first, to move in the front, because you've got to lead from the front. And that's the role of being a man as part of being a leader. Um, and uh, and then the uh, sacrifice, believing for a greater good, right? You know, that this is... The pain, the suffering, that it has reason, it has purpose. There is, there is going to be good that comes out of it, not only in your life, but in the lives that of people that are depending on you. Uh, so anyway, so you, you look like you know that book, man. Absolutely. No. Um, so there's, there's a, a, a good body of literature out there. What we have come to understand to mean biblical manhood yeah. is not very different from Robert Lewis to Paige Patterson to... John Piper to yeah. to Grudem, yeah. we all have a, a similar understanding, and that's a good thing because if it were all different, oh, yeah. one of them or more of them wouldn't be biblical. Right <clears throat> now, we so we had to struggle with that. We like a lot of what comes from modern day night. In fact, I did a ceremony for my son. I declared him to be a man, and it's important that we declare our young people to be a man. Hmm. It must happen. We can debate when the appropriate age is, yeah, but you got to do it. Yeah. Uh, if you miss it, it some people do it as early as 12. Right. It's hard to argue against that. It's hard to argue. It is easy to argue that you must do it before they leave home. You've yeah. got to do it. Yeah. Um, but part of the rites of passage is it has to do with that rejecting passivity. A typical part of all rites of passages across history and across the globe hmm. is it's, it's a marker of going from a time of being served to a time of serving. Yeah, that's or you're good, contributing to society. Yeah, that's that's a great delineation. The, so I ended up doing a, a ceremony with some guys that I run with uh, for my son, and he was about 16. And uh, and it was very much um, the thing that I was able to, that I was, and I desired to do it when he was younger, but it was really the, the appropriate time. The thing that I was able to really focus in on is I believe that men bestow identity. That's a part of the role of a man is to bestow identity and to be able to say, I see this good in you, or I see the fingerprint of God uniquely on you in this way and kind of call it up and call it out. Yes. Um, So uh, important. And, uh, and, and so, and then also kind of welcoming into sort of that, that community, right? Yeah. It's not, you are not a lone Island, right? You were, there is a community of men. And I think that's, also kind of a biblical idea, right? The men at the gate, not the man at the gate, the men, the community of men, mm-hmm. <laughs> of leaders, right? Well, there's that African proverb, it takes a village. Yeah. And, you know, some of our presidential cam- uh, candidates have taken it to mean <laughs> the government village. But I, what I really believe it means, it takes the Christian village. Yeah. It takes the whole community to actually build people. And it's not, you know, a community of 100,000 people. It's a community of Dozens of people yeah. you know, working yeah, together. Strong. The church, the local church. Yeah. So, so 
when I met you, I remember you laid out some, some really fantastic ideas about sort of this framework you were building, right? That, that um, you know, I've not looked into the, the details of how, you know, what is the academic structure of Iron Academy, but, but can you kind of describe a little bit about your framework as far as these are the essential components of what, I'm, what Iron Academy kind of brings and is about? Um, and, it, and the intentionality behind some of these different things. Yes, and your people can't see this, but I'm handing you a challenge coin. Uh, the first thing that is fundamental to Iron Academy is our honor code. And the honor code reads, I will always conduct myself as a gentleman, live pure, speak true, right wrong, and follow the king. Uh, and if we had another hour, I'd tell you where that came from. But it came from Robert E. Lee and Alfred Lord Tennyson within about five years of each other. And it's an amazing story. Uh, but it's all ours. Uh, but like we said earlier, if you don't have a definition for what it means to be a man, how can you live up to that? Yeah. Well, the same is true. Somebody asked me probably eight years ago now, what is honor? And mm -hmm. as a man, I think I can answer that. And you start answering and you think, wow, that's a really pitiful answer. Yeah. Same is true. If we're going to live honorable lives, we have to know what honor is. If we're going to live God honoring lives, we have to know what honors God. So everything in our honor code is God-honoring, is, is intended to build a God-honoring young man. That is the foundation of what we do. Uh, and those challenge coins, our young men have to earn them. So our first week of school mm -hmm. is actually, we go up to Black Mountain, we're out in 535 acres on a mountain, and we spend the whole week talking about the honor code. And then their rite of passage is that first Thursday. We break them up into tribes. Oh, there's so much to talk about. So, <laughs> yeah, we got, go ahead. Right. We got so it. <laughs> Wednesday night, we break them up into three tribes named after David's mighty men. Okay. So we have Yoshib, Eliezer, cool. and Shema. And the stories <laughs> about that, that Wednesday night is powerful. Mr. Anderson tells these stories, and it gives you goosebumps, and the guys are pumped up. And we assign them to one of those tribes based on where we think their skills and talents fit. Okay. Uh, Thursday morning, we break them up further into four-man teams, according to their tribes. We have these huge bamboo poles that we cut fresh before we go up that week. Yeah. We have these, uh, so, so Rich and I will pick out these boulders of about 70 to 90 pounds. And we're talking young men from as young as 10 we've had before yeah. to as old as you know 14. Right. So they're carrying something a quarter, well, almost their weight. Yeah. And so the four of them are trudging up this mountain with all their water and this, this terrific weight on their shoulders. It takes three and a half hours. And we have men from Raleigh, Chapel Hill, Cary, Durham come in. The first stop is the man talks about the, the first part of the honor code, which is what it means to be a Christian gentleman. We, they travel up the mountain a little further, what it means to live pure and then speak true and then right wrong. And then finally, when we get to the top, what it means to follow the king. And it's a, it's the toughest day of their lives. We see their best. We see their worst. We see tears. We see blood. We see rattlesnakes. We see everything. <laughs> uh, but it's our starting point, and it's, it's, it's meant to be a fundamental shift in their life. And knowing where we start that day, for instance, if this, this young man's bawling under the pressure and the pain on his shoulder, we know that's where we're starting. But that's okay. He's part of the tribe now. If we have somebody who's an encourager going up that mountain, wow, we've got a lot to work with. 
So we re- that's a great day. And then that's a foundation for some, the next Monday we start the academic school. Right. We already know their names. We have stories from what we've done all week. Yeah. Uh, and then over the first quarter, they're supposed to earn that honor code. Now, mm-hmm. they're not going to live up to the honor code. I don't live up to that honor code. If you ask my wife, does Alan always conduct himself as a gentleman? Unfortunately, the answer is no. Yeah. Do I live pure? Well, the more I understand what that means, no, I don't. Do I speak true? Gosh, that's difficult the more we know what that means. Yeah. But ultimately, do I follow the king perfectly? Absolutely not. So it's something we aspire to. Right. And it's that coin is, is it's made of bronze. It's heavy. Yeah, it but is. But when you carry awesome. that in your pocket, it's much heavier than that because there's so much meaning to it. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, <clears throat> I know I've said in my house is, um, and talking about, you know, young men, is, you know— Smoking pot, having sex, doing whatever. The question I will raise is, why not? Why would they not? What is the reason for them not to? And and saying, well, it's illegal is usually not a good enough motivator for young men that want to no. get in trouble. <laughs> it wasn't my for my experience. No, no. Uh, <clears throat> and and I and I believe it's really that you can be more than this, which is what this honor code is. You can be a man of substance uh, with a future that will impact lot, many, many lives. You can be more. And, and fundamentally, I think that, that boys, they carry around, I mean, I know the victim mentality is certain this pervasive in our culture, but it's sort of like, if you don't believe that you can be more and you are more and God is endowed with you more value, then it's sort of like, why not? What's the point? Why stay pure? But the truth is, God has put so much value in, in young men. You know, and, and for older men to say, I see it. Now I'm going to challenge you to bring it up, bring it out, bring, you know, and start to act like I know you can act. And even if right. they don't it, come up to that level, you're like, I still see it. It's still in me. You just are not walking in it. They were made to be Joshua's and Caleb's. Yeah, but they have to be called to something higher, yeah. and in much of their much of our culture, our experience, we don't call young people, especially males, we don't call them to more important things. In mm. fact, we've spent so much time emphasizing. Well, we see it in our commercials, we see it in our sitcoms. Women run everything. Mm. Uh, the educational system, you know, it's not it's not perfect, but it's women are doing pretty well. Now yeah. they're going, they're 60 to 40 going into to college versus yeah, I know. postdoctoral yeah. program, everything. Uh, and I'm not saying everything's right for women. I would never say that. Yeah. But our men are languishing because so little is expected of them. And women and children suffer when there's no biblical manhood. Yeah. Everybody gains when there is. There was an amazing uh, book written, um, probably, I think it's called. Uh, um, Oh goodness! I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna. Uh, I think it was Gordon Dalby. No, it was called uh, Sexual Suicide. Is the old mm-hmm. name for it, and now it's called Men in Marriage. And it talked about the idea, the concept that um, men without families, meaning no reason to fight, become barbarians. Right? They become the the wandering groups, raping and pillaging, uh, taking whatever they can from others because they got nothing mm-hmm. to lose. They got nobody depending on them, nobody, no family, no wife, children, nothing to fight for. So they just become barbarians. 
but give them something that will cost them personally. And they will start be, and they'll say, now the nobility is required, right? And so one of the things that I, you know, the idea of uh, I went to a marriage being a boy, right? Totally relate to that. So I went into marriage and thinking, oh, I've got to gotta provide for you? Really? Like, I haven't been preparing for that. I just right. thought, oh, it's <laughs> just, you know, 50-50 and here we go. Or maybe 60-40 and you do more. That would be even better, you know? And then the whole idea of, oh, we're going to have a baby. <laughs> yes. Right? And you're like, oh, well, you know, I haven't like been preparing for this, you know, in my college and even thinking about it. I just thought, oh, I just thought it would work out. And it's like, man, was I, I mean, God bless Kathy. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, but I mean, just, I mean, thinking about it, it's like, oh my gosh, I was looking at that whole thing like a boy. Yes. With man yeah. responsibilities, you know, and, and so we're raising generations of these things. And nobody to call you out on it. Right, exactly. And yes. like, what are you doing? Yeah, and so, um, anyway, so yeah, absolutely. So that makes total sense. So um, I think one of the things that I want to touch on is to realize a dream, to realize something that God has put in you is not always easy. No. Has it been easy? No. <laughs> so no, can you talk a little bit about just, <clears throat> just what is taken to really realize what you've, you've been carrying. So I know there's this, there, there, there are going to be many people out there that if I do exactly what God tells me, I'm going to be successful or my life will flourish. Right. We don't see a lot of biblical evidence for that. And I don't see a lot of modern evidence for that. <clears throat> he doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be obedient. Mm. And once we decide to be obedient, uh, again, it doesn't make it easy. Uh, there, no, there have been curveballs every step of the way. Uh, let me say this. Doing what God asks you to do, what he has called you to do, is not easy. Hmm. There's probably something wrong if it is too easy. But uh, as difficult as it is, I feel sorry for the people who have been called to do something by God and haven't done it because there's no greater feeling than doing exactly what you were created to do. Amen. I mean, that's so true. So let's talk more practical. Okay. So what is Iron Academy? You know, how, where physically, where are you? Are you unique? Are you associated with other schools? Are there other uh, you know, young men's schools in the nation. I mean, just it's just practical stuff. Well, that's a scary thing too, because we were called to do something that hasn't been done anywhere. We don't know of any school like Iron Academy de dedicated to biblical manhood. Uh, we don't know of any school that allows the students to be a part of the disciplinary process. We do a roundtable, much like the roundtable of, of King Arthur. Yeah. Once our stu students earn these honor, uh, these challenge coins. They actually participate in the disciplinary process. Mm. They, along with the staff, we will all vote at the end whether we're going to hold somebody accountable or not hold them accountable. Uh, so, and there are a thousand reasons not to have students involved in your disciplinary process. Uh, yeah. But it has been nothing but a positive benefit to Iron Academy. It is helping these young men do the things that you and I have been talking about that didn't happen in our early lives. Mm to hold one another accountable. And this youngest generation will have to say is 
reluctant to hold one another accountable. They will defend each other against other generations very, very quickly. Yeah. So getting them to own the fact that if they don't speak into their brother's life, it's not more love, it's less love. Yeah. Has been difficult, but the honor code culture and the roundtable culture has really helped us to do that. Wow. So that's absolutely unique as far as I know. Uh, our honor code is unique, although it was written by Robert E. Lee and, and Alfred Lord Tennyson, putting the two together. Uh, we searched high and low for, for the right honor codes, and yeah. most of them are like the militaries. I will not lie, cheat, or steal, nor tolerate those who do, which is good for an organization, but it's a low bar for a Christian, you know, <laughs> a disciple of Christ. Right, right. Um, uh, academically, we do things differently as well. Uh, we, our learning philosophy actually incorporates what we've learned about how the brain actually learns with MRIs over the last 15 years. And knowing that the world is changing very quickly, all of our learning units in every class year after year target the development of the higher order critical thinking skills of how to synthesize large amounts of information into something useful, how to evaluate. Mm. You know, that could be as simple as good versus evil how to create, how to innovate. Uh, because frankly, we're preparing students for jobs we don't know exist yet. Yeah. Many of the jobs most schools and, and we are preparing them for won't exist. Yeah. So we have to give them the thinking skills that allow them to stand out from one another and to mm -hmm. excel. Uh, I guess the proof will be in the pudding. Right. But what we've seen is even... Over the last four years, what we've seen an average IQ increase hmm. in our first year students is almost 9%, which wow. is unheard of. After two years, it's almost 16%. So they're jumping up, and that's like 150 points on an SAT without training for the SAT, without teaching towards a test. We're just making them smarter. Yeah. So By we're excited way, about that. Oh, that's an, that, is a, that is awesome. So, um, so we're kind of wrapping up in our, with our time available time. Any last things you want to kind of say? I always love talking about Iron Academy and actually biblical manhood. And one of the things you mentioned earlier about encouraging one another, about speaking into one another's life, uh, I will say, I will share one technique we use that, sure. that we should use with our own children yeah. and, and our peers and uh, our friends at church, with our wives, we call it IDA, <clears throat> the letters I-D-A. I stands for we identify a behavior or a characteristic or a disposition that we really like in somebody. That D stands for describe it in terms that they can understand. And then the A is anticipate a future benefit. Uh, for instance, we might have a young man who... Uh, said he was going to do something, and he did it. And I might say, Johnny, I really appreciate that when you told us you were going to schedule this for, for your tribe, that you actually did it. That is what we call integrity. That is being who you are, being mm -hmm. who you are and who you say you are match up. You did what you said you were going to do. Johnny, and then I anticipate a future value, said, when you're, you have future employers, they are really going to appreciate that about you. They're going to value people who have integrity. Your wife, you're going to be married someday. She's going to want a, a husband who has that kind of integrity. And your children are going to appreciate that, Johnny. So we identify the characteristic or disposition we like. We describe it in terms they understand, and then we anticipate a future value. Two, thing, two reasons make that really good. One, it keeps us from being punitive. 
so we can be more constructive. Yeah. Uh, it's sometimes in, in education or in, in home environments, we get, we get a little bit frustrated with our kids. We yeah. get into punitive mode. But if we can remind ourselves to be constructive, then they know what we're looking for. And we're communicating the better things in life, the, the virtues that, we're, that we want from them. And if we can anticipate those future benefits from it, that connects them to, to where they're going. Yeah. Yeah, I just immediately am thinking of uh, uh, Gideon, right? When he, when he was called the uh, mighty warrior, right? And, uh, you know, God is always, you know, calling at, calling it maybe something sometimes that is not. But, but in this case, you see something, but they, they had anticipatory, this is what this is going to look in future. It's like it's painting a future painting. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a part in that. You could be in that story. You know, this is how I see you playing in that in that story. That is, that is that's a, building biblical manhood. Yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah, it's it's that's good. Well, I um, thank you for coming on the show. What you're doing is amazing. And if there are anybody out there that have boys that you are looking to instill into becoming young men, Iron Academy would be a, an amazing place. And honestly, I will pray that this model and this idea is not just in Raleigh. Well, thank you. We need your I prayers. Think, if we are I under attack, this... <laughs> this is not a popular thing in the culture, but thank yeah. you. I, we cover your prayers. Yeah, because I, I could see this becoming a, a network. Uh, I really do, you know, of, of different schools and, and, uh, and, and good job and in, in enduring and, and doing, getting it this far. Well, thank you for doing this and inspiring people to, to listen to God's calling. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hey, we're just getting started out, so any help you can provide to share it with your friends would be great. Uh, We just kicked off a Facebook page, uh, the Kindling Fire podcast. And uh, just any episodes that you like, uh, share it with your friends. And um, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can reach us at thekindlingfire at gmail.com. Uh, Or if you'd like any more information about myself or some of the things that I write, you can go to troyandkathy.com.